We're in the season of Eastertide. It's the great 50 days spanning Easter Sunday to Pentecost Sunday. And during the great 50 days of Easter, our theme is we rise together. That not only did Jesus rise in bodily form, not only did through his appearance accounts, he start raising to new life men and women who were so fractured and broken and scared and doubtful, but he continues to raise to new life through the power and presence of resurrection, the body of Christ called the church. And we're naming and claiming during the great 50 days the signs of what it means to be a resurrection people, to rise together. Today we turn to the second chapter of, of Acts. It's familiar words, I hope. Students, you have a brand new Bible. You might want to use this as an opportunity to write in it, to mark this occasion, to date today's date, because it's quite important for what it means to be a part of a family of faith to be part of a community. Listen for the word of the Lord from Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home. They ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I were to frame this particular sign of what it means to rise together as a resurrected people, it would be that the resurrection people called the body of Christ, they gather together, they hold things in common, and they give when a need arises so that no need exists, really. They gather, they hold, and they give. I want to read that, that one verse again. All who believed gathered together. It might be outside of Jesus rising from the grave and those verses of Scripture, outside of, of John 3.16, that, that this could be the most important verse in the Bible. All who believed in Jesus Christ gathered together. And when they gathered together, they held all things in common. Let me rephrase that. To believe in Christ... And to be a part of the body of Christ is to gather together and storms withstanding to hold all things in common, everything we have to offer to one another in common, and to give no strings attached. There's something powerful about gathering together, holding life in common, and then giving as needs arise. Maybe our students want to underline that. I, I tried to underline Joshua 1.9. Someone beat me to it. That's my life verse. I don't know who on staff underlined it. I'm, I'm on the search to see who shares the favorite verse with me. Be strong, be courageous, be very strong. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know what else I did? I, I went to Deuteronomy 31.6 where it says the same thing. 
We had a VBS song about that. There's some motions to it. Remember, be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. I am not afraid. No, no, no. That's, that's my verse. Our staff has underlined other key passages in there to help you begin this next season of, of your faith journey in Scripture. Maybe you, you want to underline today the importance of gathering together and holding life in common and then giving as needs arise. It was a pretty dangerous thing in the first century for Christians to gather together. It says they devoted. Who is, who is the they? We have to back up a few verses. This is going to be on the final, so I hope you're going to take notes. They included the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, belonging to Cyrene, from Rome, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabs. There it is. They all gathered together in one place. The Holy Spirit came. And when they received the Holy Spirit, they gathered again, together, not knowing one another's story. They didn't really even, I don't know if they trusted each other. He's a, he's a Parthian. She's a Mede. No, that's a Cretan. How did, they, how did they get along? How would they ever make it work? Oh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how. We gather, we hold and we give. It was dangerous to gather together. It was dangerous to share life in common with those who were so different in the first century. This new church thing was beginning to form. But you know what's more dangerous? Willie Jennings says this. You know what's far more dangerous than any plan of shared wealth or fair distribution of goods and services? What's far more dangerous is a God who would send such a divine love to human beings such a love that doesn't really play fairly. Because in the moment we think something is ours or our people's, it's that same God who will demand that we sell it, that we give it away or offer more of it to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and visit the sick and give shelter to the homeless. There's a trinity of holy possessions, time and talents and treasure. Those things are possessions with which we are blessed which we give away. But we hold all things in common. And I think all things means all things. The early church, it, it was not interested in, in buildings. It wasn't interested in programs, big systems, vision statements. It was more interested in the teachings of the apostles, the fellowship, call it koinonia, the breaking of bread, the sharing of a meal, the prayers. It was more interested in serving. It was more interested in feeding and clothing and welcoming. Those were its core values. The church became a living organism, not insulated from life's challenges, but one that breathes together. And when it made that commitment, it began holding all things in common. Hear that. The authentic church under the power of the Holy Spirit holds all things in common. That's much more than possessions or resources. All of the fears that you've brought with you today, we hold those in common with you. All of life's defining moments, like graduations, are held in common together. How about life storms? Yes, we hold those in common. How about complicated decisions? Yes. We hold those in common. How about forgiveness? 
The highest expression of love that exists on this earth. Yes, we hold that in common together. What about all the dreams we have that we brought with us today from wherever it is you have come? Yes, we hold those in common too. All things are held in common. That which we possess, that which sometimes possesses us because we believe in a higher good, a higher focus, a higher mission. And when we give to that singular need of the body collectively, there's an intervention that happens. The Spirit comes. And the difference in the organization, this entity called the church, from anything else that exists in this world is that we are committed to doing whatever it takes to speaking and sharing the gracious love of God Almighty with friends and with family and with strangers and enemies. Some say this was quite utopian, that Luke is just kind of pulling our leg. This is pie in the sky. How could the early church, so different and, and unique from all the places I just read, how could they get along and figure it out? How could they hold themselves and all of their stuff together in common for a common mission and a common ministry? How does that work? I mean, after all, is God really interested in our worldly possessions? Only nominally so. Because what God is far more interested in is people. Proximity to people. Perspective. People. People are God's possession that he loves so dearly. It's a strange church to be so bold that all who believe would, would gather together. But something about it worked. Here we are in the great 50 days of Easter, and we're, we're well on our way, thanks be to God, to taking it. We have three goals for the great 50 days of Easter. One is missional. Uh, one is having 50 people pray up here in the church uh, throughout the week, and then taking on 50 members in 50 days. We might have come really close to hitting that mark today. I don't know, through baptisms and new members. And then I take a tablespoon of humble sauce and read that the early church welcomed 3,000 in one day, and they added to those numbers daily. They set a high bar, didn't they? But something works. If you're a guest with us today, I'll share with you that at this church, we're committed to the teaching, Scripture, the fellowship together, breaking bread together, and prayers together. We're committed to gathering, and to holding, and to giving. Throughout the book of Acts, throughout the New Testament, what we read is that a new family is beginning to form, that's an important phrase for the church. It's a family unlike the world has ever seen. Uh, they didn't always get it right, Acts in the New Testament. It was pretty complicated. Um, you could say that chapter 2 of Acts is somewhat utopian. It's the Holy Spirit coming. It's the birthday of the church. It's the explosion of the church, finally outwardly, as uh, had been intended by Scripture all along. The good news of God would be made known. But man, by the time we get to chapters 5 and 6, it gets complicated. Why? Because our human story, our human condition is complicated. It's hard. So by the time we get to chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, they're, they're withholding a little bit of what they want to keep for themselves. They're not all in. How is it that the early church moved so quickly from its heyday to Ananias and Sapphira withholding their presence and their money 
And then we move quickly to the Jerusalem Council where the church leaders are, are being harassed and then imprisoned. And last week we read the story of St. Stephen. It, all of this crescendo ends in a murder by a mob. The church has entered into complicated situations time and again, but each time it gathers and it holds and it gives, the Holy Spirit comes down like tongues of fire and reminds us that we're family. The New Testament is full of disputes and starts and stops, borderline schisms, the planning of new churches for the sake of mission, but the core principles of the church remain true. If you believe in the power and presence of resurrection and the work of the Holy Spirit, meet together, hold all things in common. Give until it hurts and then give a little more. Those early Christians, they had grown up in this social unit called the family. And some of them, for being a part of what would be called the church, their family disassociated with them. Family disowned them for being a part of this new thing called the church. The church became their family. And I've thought a lot about what family means. Family means that you have a place to belong. Family means there's always a place at the table for whomever would be so bold to come and feast. Family means there, when you come home, there'll be something in the pantry or the refrigerator. You might need to check the date, but it will be there. Family means that sometimes there's squabbles and sometimes fights and long periods of, of silence, but then same things settle and you go back to living together. Family means that life is messy, but you know on whom you may lean for late night talks and on whose shoulder you may cry. Family means we don't have everything all figured out and sometimes running frenetically from one thing to the next is, is the MO. There's something sacred in hindsight about the chaos of even a carpool line. The Holy Spirit breathed life into a new family and called it a church. And I think the reason why is because the church is home. You believe that? The New York Times published an article some years ago. Uh, it was about the decline of these tall steeple, these white clapboard churches in the Dakotas, uh, in the upper Midwest. And um, as rural populations found their way to urban centers, these churches were becoming more dilapidated. But there was a young adult, a 34-year-old in his hometown who bought the church and decided to keep it up. And the reason why he bought it is something that his mother shared with him and then something that her mother from generation to generation has shared with her and said, son, I'm going to tell you something about this church. When you're out playing in the wheat fields and the wheat is so tall and you lose your way, you look for that steeple, you find your way to the church and it will lead you home. I thought about that, being on a hill here the tall tower and chimes that hit every quarter hour. In fact, we had some new members that joined earlier and they said, how funny it is that you mentioned that, preacher. We live about a block that way and we heard these chimes playing a few weeks ago and we started 
moving our, that direction. And then we saw this tall tower and said, that's the church we need to visit. It works. Christians are called to gather and to hold and to give generously. Christians are called to err on the side of generosity always. When we doubt, be generous. When we're fearful, be generous. When inspired, be generous. When melancholy, be generous. When busy as a bee, be generous. Give generously, not only of your resources, but maybe even more importantly, give the gift of forgiveness. You know what the center word is of forgiveness? What is it? Give. Give forgiveness to others and to yourself. Be generous with your time, it might be the most precious resource that you have and that you can share with another human being. Be generous with the gift of presence and, and proximity. We can't change the past. We can't, we can't really determine the future. But we have the sacrament of the present moment not to be overlooked, not to be underappreciated. Give generously and hold in common patience and Love and joy and, and peace, those are not signs of weakness. Those are fruit to be split open and shared. And give grace generously. To our seniors, I'd love for them to hear me say, if nothing else today, start by giving grace to yourself. Because God loves you and there's nothing that you can ever do about that to change it. Breathe. Breathe. What we're entering into is this new family in life with the Holy Spirit and, and the signs of uh, resurrection people are those who will gather and will hold life in common and who will give generously. That takes time. It takes conditioning. I thought about Lucy and Peanut. She was in a Sunday school class trying to find her favorite verse and she said, I think it's here in the book of reevaluation. <laughs> Isn't that great? Mr. Schultz is not far off, is he? <laughs> the book of reevaluation, of conditioning, it takes time. I've, I've thought about the greatest stands of, of timber in this country and how they take time to grow. Too much sunlight, growth that happens too quickly, and the, the pulp is mush and the root systems, don't, they're not that great at all, but slow growth under the right canopy with the right amount of light and in the right climate, it, it creates strong roots. Deep roots. I was at the Mirrorwood uh, Forest in California. Have, have you been there before? Wow. I was standing there in the presence of this enchanted forest and these massive giants. And in that moment, I thought, how many storms and, and earthquakes and fires have these giants survived? And how did they survive it? Why? What, what is it that worked? And I discovered that below the surface is a, a very deep and intricately woven root system. Do you know that those trees hold on to one another and will not allow any storm or earth-shattering moment to pull them apart from one another? Did you know that? The aspens in, in the north are the same way. They look like individual trees, but they're actually a community of roots and, and systems and Nutrients underneath. And then way over on the East Coast in North Carolina, the, the pine trees work the same way. They're a community. In fact, just a few years ago, there was a massive snowstorm that came through. 
And there were a lot of people from the interstate watching these young pine trees. They had started scraping the sky, but snowfall had become so dense overnight, they didn't know what would happen. And so it just accumulated on their limbs and in the tops of the trees. And eventually those trees started bowing and drooping. But those that were in a grove together, they didn't go far because they ended up leaning into the person, the tree next to them. There were two or three trees that were out there on their own and they took the same amount of snowfall and it didn't take long before their branches snapped and they lay on the ground and in the dark and alone in the cold. The point is when storms of life hit, we need to be gathered together. We need to be standing closely to other Christians who are our little groves of trees because we need them to hold us up. They need us to hold them up. All who believed gathered together and held all things in common. And then they gave. It's time to do the same. It's the body of Christ called the church. It's a resurrected people. Gather, hold, and give. To the glory of God, amen.